we have been talking about um, drawing near to God. It just, it just keeps unfolding, and none of the messages are the same, even though I might review a few things, and I'll do that tonight. But I want to get somewhere, and I want to read First uh, James 4, chapter, eight, of chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. And we've been explaining that. We're now looking at how he draws near to us, what it looks like when he's drawing near, and what begins to manifest among the, in the corporate body of Christ in our personal lives, and even in the nations. We're going to talk a little bit about the nations tonight. The Lord loves the nations. He created the nations. Um, he loves uh, every single ethnicity. He created it all. And uh, it's the devil that divides. It's the devil that hinders. It's, it's people that misinterpret the Bible and talk about um, division and divisiveness among the nations. But, but the Lord loves the nations. But he, when he draws near... Let me read Isaiah 26, verse 9. This is what it says. When my soul, with my soul, I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me, I will seek you early. This is Isaiah the prophet. For when your judgments, listen to this, when your judgments are in the earth. This is so powerful. It just spoke to me this earlier this week as I was studying it. When your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Did you know that? Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that this is a true and forever statement. And Lord, we just acknowledge your judgments in the earth. We thank you that your judgments are wonderful and they are good and they are right and they are holy. And we ask that you would just teach us about you and your judgments and why your judgments are in the earth. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this season, God drawing near to us, what does it look like? When God begins to draw near, first of all, we talked about his promises, how they begin to break forth in fulfillment toward us. And then sons and daughters, you and I, people are birthed into the kingdom. We had a young lady come forward and I was just so happened to be at the healing prayer station. Um, and she came forward and I began to talk to her about her salvation. And I led her in the sinner's prayer, tears, just tears flowing this this past Sunday just I didn't even hardly have to say anything how many know when the Holy Spirit is is ministering and he's here the Spirit of God does all the work all we have to do is just ask the right questions and help them pray the prayer that they need to pray and she prayed the sinner's prayer tears flowing I prayed for her healing she needed healing and it was I think it was her second week here and bless her heart, I've never seen tears, crocodile tears like that, just pouring down her face because she was feeling the love of God and repentance in her heart toward God. See, when you know God, there'll be, there'll be repentance in your heart. There'll be a tender willingness to say, Lord, I'm so sorry. That was really not the right attitude. I really sinned. I really messed up. You know, God wants to convict us, and conviction draws us to God. God does not condemn us because condemnation 
uh, pushes us away from God. The devil condemns. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. So he's always drawing people. But when he draws people to himself, he has to show them their sin, not in condemnation, but to help them repent so that they can be received by him and be cleansed. They can be cleansed of their sins. So that's what was happening down here. Uh, It was so powerful. And I, I told her, now be sure. Uh, next week, have you ever been water baptized? She said, no. And she said, um, just when I was a little girl, I said, well, uh, that, that was okay. I mean, those are wonderful traditions, you know, in some churches. But the Bible talks about believer's baptism, that when you believe and you receive Christ, that you get water baptized. And I said, next week, I said, I want you praying all week, keeping your heart right, uh, getting in the word, learning more about Jesus. Come back. And bring your family, and we'll baptize you. She said, okay. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. Pray for her. Um, but sons and daughters are birthed into the kingdom of God. Um, sons and daughters of God are empowered by him. They're empowered to serve him, empowered to work and to do the ministry of Jesus. They're raised up, sent out. He manifests his glory in his in in among his people. We've already covered all of this, but it's just so fresh to me. He manifests his glory presence among those of his household. And we are the ones really who are privileged uh, and the only entity in the world that really is called to to host his glory, to host his presence. And he, he, he wants to dwell among us and walk among us. And that's why we just love to worship him, because he is enthroned in, in our worship. But also there's miraculous things, miraculous things that begin to happen, healings, deliverances, people getting touched, you know, chains of darkness breaking off of people. Uh, in the presence of God, when God begins to draw near, when he begins to draw near, he just pushes things out. I've noticed the more I get filled with the Holy Spirit, the more continuously I stay filled with the Holy Spirit, the less of the temptations that I have to deal with, the less of the world attracts me. And, and you know, I've learned that over the years, to stay filled, to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit, Him being near me. And and as a pastor, I want the entire congregation to experience the tangible, manifest presence of God. And that's, you know, we just worship, we pray, we seek, we wait on God, and we just make this an altar here. And so He just comes, and He dwells among us, and He walks among us, and He's here tonight. But there's a this passage of scripture in Isaiah is so peculiar and it is so powerful and people don't understand this and and how important it is for his church the Lord's church to claim and 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 believe his judgments and his promises like we talked about the last couple of weeks but his judgments are a little different than his promises but that is still included but there's something even more unique about his judgments in the earth because he's talking about nations here. The, the inhabitants of the earth of the world will learn righteousness. Isn't that interesting? So 
So when God draws near, so do his judgments, right? His judgments in the nations. I believe that this, as, as Cheryl, Cheryl has really uh, encouraged me in believing for the end-time harvest, praying for the end-time harvest, the end-time outpouring of the Holy Spirit all throughout the nation, certainly in our church and neighborhood and among our families. We want to see our loved ones saved, right? And But God is drawing near. This is the time to begin to pray, to bring your loved ones in, to call them in, because there's a lot of things happening in our world right now that's telling me the devil is really upset. He has come down. The enemy is, is, is really trying to deceive people because he knows that he has a short time. He knows he has but a short time because God is doing something very special in our midst. But when God begins to draw near, so do his judgments. We see this in the Old Testament in the book of Judges. We see it all throughout the Old Testament when God had a righteous king or a righteous judge in the land that that righteous judge would would have the anointing and the blessing of God to begin to draw in the things of God to the people of God and to the nations around them so that they would understand who God is. How many understand that you and I are the only Jesus many people will ever come in contact with until they actually meet Jesus? And so representing him well as a believer and as a church, to me, is a high value of mine. It's a high value of mine. And so when we draw near to God, his judgments draw near, and they, are, they begin uh, to manifest in the earth. And the inhabitants, this is the peculiar thing, they will learn righteousness. Now, righteousness is... Simply stated, right standing with God. That the nations, the inhabitants of the, of the earth, when his judgments are in the earth, I'm going to show you what judgments are, what they mean, and what the word judge actually means in the Hebrew. But, but when his judgments are in the earth, people learn righteousness. And so when we think about his judgments in the earth, you know, we think about, you know, the plagues in Egypt to deliver Israel. And those are judgments, right? They are judgments and they're a little frightening, to be honest with you. You know, Moses, all of that, you know, the Red Sea, the whole thing, the plagues, all of that. Those are certainly decrees and judgments from God. But in the last days, there's something very different about the judgments of God in the earth. Very powerful and even, even greater, I feel, in many ways. That is to save souls. But when God draws near, so do his judgments in the nation, and the people will learn righteousness. So what does that look like? Well, the word judgments, the word judgments means God's rulings. Did you know there's a court in heaven? We talk about being in the throne room of God. And there is, Jesus is our mediator. I mean, he literally is our mediator between God and man. He is, he is the one that, that we look to in the presence of the Father in order to even remain in the presence of the Father as a child of God. 
But the word judgments means his rulings, his decisions, God's decisions, his verdicts, his sentences, his sentence in the earth. Psalm 19, verse 9 says this, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Somebody say amen. So his judgments are good. And, and, and if, how many understand he judged me? He made a decree over my life. He made a decree over my life. Randy, you are a sinner and you need a savior. I, that was as clear to me as I am speaking to you right now. And you need to believe in my son. And for months and months and months and months, I would hear God kind of saying to me, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. I would hear the Spirit of God. There was a decree over my life. And the Lord would not allow his judgment over my life to vary. Nobody could, oh, you're not, you're not a sinner. You're a good person. None of that argument had any impact on me. In fact, I remember going to uh, Xavier University. I went one year to Xavier University, and then, you know, I, I, got, I got saved and started living for God, and then I started going to, you know, church, and then I found out I'm called to preach. But anyway, so I'm on campus, and, and I was talking to, I, I had literally just given my heart to the Lord, and I was telling this girl about the Lord and how he had saved me. You know, he just was working on me. And she said, well, that's, that's great. That's great. Well, you know, me and God have an understanding. He'll do his best, and I'll do my best. I'm, I'm like, that doesn't sound like the Bible to me. Where is that in the Bible? I didn't say that. I just nodded my head and moved right along. Somebody say amen. But when God begins to, to call, call you by name and he begins to make decrees over your life and judgments over your life, it isn't necessarily bad. He has destiny on you. He's speaking things to you so that you'll learn righteousness. He will teach you. He will teach you his judgments, things that you need to discern, things that you need to weigh as you're walking with him, things that aren't profitable for your relationship with him, things that, that aren't good for you personally in the long run. He will, he will bring people into your life and he will allow you to allow people to go away from your life. How many understand that God's judgments are good? They are good. Now, yes, there are the real heavy ones, but we're not going to talk about that altogether right now. When he begins to draw near into your life, he takes personal interest in you. He begins to help you discern through every situation you find yourself in. Even sudden things that happen to you, things that, oh, they just happen and, and it's sudden fear and, oh, what do I do? No, just calm down. Somebody say, calm down. Look at your neighbor and say, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Look at your neighbor. Call it. No, don't. But you know what I'm saying. You got you to gotta, you gotta bring yourself down just a little bit and learn to pray. Father, what are you saying? What are you revealing here? 
What is your decree in this situation? What are your judgments? What are your verdicts about this? Before I before I met my wife Kim, there was a there I had a a girl that I had dated many many years, and she just wasn't she wasn't a Christian. I gave my life to the Lord, and you know I met Kim in youth group, and that was the end of that. Hallelujah, Amen, Amen. But she you know she was she's she was the one that just had to go away. She had to go away, and she didn't want to go away. How I many know? that the enemy will try to test you, tempt you in every way, in every possible way. And eventually she just, she had to go away because there was, there was nothing there. Amen. You cannot allow the things of this world to drag you away from the Father's perfect plan for your life. Do not do it. Do not do it. Don't compromise. It's not worth it. Somebody say amen. The word judge in the Greek, or in the Hebrew, I should say, it's spelled K-R-I-N-O, krinos, is that right, Kim? Wetland, he's the scholar among us, hallelujah. And it means to separate, to make a distinction between, listen to this, this is so good, and to exercise judgment upon, to estimate to assume a sensorial power over, to call to account, I like that part, to judge judiciously. There's so many definitions in here. It's just kind of all clumped together. To bring to trial and to be brought to account. That's really good. To administer government over. So there have been many times that when, as God was just teaching me and I was walking with him, how he would, and his presence was near. And I was just doing the wrong thing. I had the wrong attitude with God. I mean, no, you can have the wrong attitude with God. And I don't ever want to have the wrong attitude with God. I just, I really don't want that, you know. I, and I don't want you to have the wrong attitude toward God. So I teach you out of this this whole measure of love for the Father that I have. Um, but I remember one time I was a little upset at God. Anybody ever get upset at God? No, don't raise your hand. Don't, don't incriminate your, this one. Yeah, this one time, no. No, I mean, I was so, I probably was more disappointed in myself or whatever, but I was just kind of being mouthy toward God. I was just being mouthy. And, you know, I hear people all the time, well, the psalmist, you know, he just vented to God. And, you know, I'm not the psalmist. You know, I'm not King David. Come on, somebody. I'm not. So I'm not going to give myself the privilege of, of that. But I was being a little mouthy toward God. And I'm going to tell you, it was like God just brought things after day, days. This went on for days. These are the lessons that I've gone through to get to the point where I just absolutely adore the Father. I, I love the Lord. But I remember, I remember sitting on my couch, and, and I'm just belly aching, belly aching some more. And, and the Lord, he said, he said, if you don't stop, <laughs> it sounded like my father, my dad, if you, if you don't stop, you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit away. 
You're going to grieve the Holy Spirit away. And he began to show me in the scripture where I was, where I was missing it. And I literally had to repent because of my attitude. And you know what? The goodness of the, of God just began to flow again. But I was grieving the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to grieve the Holy Spirit. God will bring you when he, he's in your life, when he's drawing near, and when he's moving among churches. We see this in the book of Revelation. We see how he will come and he will, he will walk among the churches. And if he sees things that the leaders are not doing or that people are doing and there's compromise, he'll shut things down. He will shut churches down. I will remove your candlestick, he said. I will remove it all. I don't ever want that to happen in any of the churches that we have. I want them to learn to love God. But, but as he's drawing near to you, he begins to make decrees. He begins to separate you from your sin. But you have to want that. He begins to separate you from things that are going to harm you in the long run or decisions that you're making that are not good, that do not reflect his glory, that do not reflect who he wants you to become, who you are in him, and who he is. How many know we are truly ambassadors of Christ? We are representatives of his. John chapter 5, verse 22 says, The Father hath committed all judgment to the Son. That's how the judgment is different from the Old Testament. Somebody say amen. Now, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, there's a, there was a decree on Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, that could only go on so long. And so the Lord, boom, sent the brimstone, fire and brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, there were great judgments, Noah's flood, over and over and over. We can read about them. But the judgment of God is much different today, even though the book of Revelation, there's going to be a great reckoning. How many understand the book of Revelation is a very powerful book? There is a great reckoning. But now the judgment of God is that he is convicting people. He is speaking to them about their personal measure. Now you, as an individual or any person in the world, they can have their conscience so seared that they don't even have a conscience any longer. And we know people, we've seen people like that, right? In history. But Jesus has, he, the Father has committed all judgment to the Son. So Jesus chooses now to work with the, Holy, with the Holy Spirit, but also with his church. He's working with me right now. He's working with his fivefold leaders to propagate his judgments in the earth to tell people that they have to repent. You know, people don't want to repent because they want to do their own thing. They want to be their own master. They want to be their own God. And then they'll go to church and act like, well, it's okay. It's okay that I violate morality according to the Bible because it offends me to have to change. In other words, there's biblical marriage that God has not changed his mind on. And so if churches continue to violate the judgment of God on that matter, then it's going to be bad for that church or that minister or those people who want to compromise 
the judgment of God. I'm just the messenger. Don't stone the messenger. Somebody say amen. I wish pastors just had courage. Look, this is the Bible that we're talking about here. We're not going to compromise it for our age and for, you know, your sin. The Lord didn't compromise it for my sin. Thank goodness. I'm so happy about it because I would have still been in my sin. And I hear it all. Well, how can a loving God ever send anybody to hell? He doesn't send anybody to hell. He sends not one person to hell. You choose to go. And why would you want, I heard somebody say, why would somebody want to spend eternity with a God that they've never liked down here or lived for down here or loved his word? Why would you want to be in heaven with him? And see, so God just allows you to have your choice. You just, you choose. You choose, you choose him down here and you go there. Somebody say amen. But if you don't, there's only one alternative and I don't like to talk about it, but it's real. It's, it's, it's real. It's the Bible. So I'm trying to avoid, trying to get everybody to avoid that place. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, you, there's some preachers that act like people, they're glad people are going to hell. I'm not glad people go to hell. That's crazy. In fact, it's not the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But God chooses to work with us. He needs you to help people. He wants you to help people. He wants me to help people see that he loves them, number one, but he, and he loves them even while they were yet sinners, but he loves them enough to bring them out of their sin. Somebody say Amen. The judgment, all judgment has been committed to Jesus. And he took, he literally took our shame, our guilt, and our sin, and our judgment on the cross, and he died. How many understand that the wages of sin is death? That is a judgment of God. The wages of sin is death. You die, that's why you die. That's why I lost all my hair and I'm getting older. You know, the curse is happening. It's, you, you, you eventually expire in this world. Why? Because of sin. But not only that, our soul is punished and our spirit man is dead. And, and, and we die, if we die in our sin, we go to hell. But the judgments of God are good. And they're always good. They're always good. They're always righteous. They're always true. We will never be, there will never be a person in hell who will ever be able to accuse God of not loving them. Did you know that? Never, because they'll know everything and God will know everything perfectly and it will, it will literally torment them in hell. It will. And this is a hard subject. And this... It really isn't where I wanted to go, but I guess that's where the Lord has kind of taken us. You have to understand the, the background of the judgments of God and why Jesus has done what he's done and how much he has saved us from in order to be sons and daughters of God. I think that's the reason. But he chooses to work with and through his church. Look at what it says in Matthew. I'll, I'll close here in a minute. Matthew 18, verse 15. Moreover, if... Your brother, listen to this, 
sins against you. This is talking about the church, and you know how churches can really struggle in relationships sometimes. Jesus says, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you have gained your brother. Somebody say amen. In other words, don't go gossiping about your brother to somebody else because they hurt your feelings. That's all. That's what Jesus is saying here. Go to your brother or your sister. Say, look, that kind of hurt. Were you intending that to happen? Oh, no, I didn't intend to. I'm sorry. That was a mess. You know how it is. You gained your brother. Somebody say amen. So powerful. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now, this is not up there right now. I'm just reading it. For if he refuses to hear you or hear them, tell it to the church. Now, here's where the church comes in. It's a little hard. I've never had to do this. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen <laughs> and a tax collector. My mom used to say, you, you guys are acting like heathens. You know, anybody ever have a mom like that? My mom, she would joke, heathens, you heathens. Uh, every time I read that word, it just kind of cracks me up. You heathens. <laughs> or a tax collector. But here, here's the point. This is where God is working with his church. There are decrees that we work with with God. There are judgments, I believe, that we make with God. And we have to make them right with the right motive and the right heart. We have to make things and discern things well. Um, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth. Listen to this. This is, he's in the context, he's literally talking about problems in the church. And yes, there are decrees that the church should and can make in order to keep the, the poison out, to keep the gossip out, to keep the division and the divisiveness out of the flock. How many know the flock is important? Individuals are important. And if you take these measures, if you go to this length and they're still not willing to just humble themselves, guess what? Wow, man. Just even Paul said, just let them go out in the world and maybe they'll learn their lesson. The devil will just beat them up and then they'll come back and say, look, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have acted that way. And I've had, that's happened before. I'm sure it has. But notice this. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So when God is near and, and his judgments are near, the people learn what? They learn righteousness, right? And so when we are making decrees, this is a hard, this is hard for people to understand when it comes to church governance. Because, you know, I'll just go to another church. That's how we look at it. But that is not what God is wanting you to learn in tough situations, or me to learn for that matter. Whatever, I, whatever we, whatever you, the church, bind on earth as bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I say again to you that if two of you shall agree on earth, listen, this gets really powerful. If two of you shall agree on earth as concerning anything that you ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Somebody say amen. amen. And so it's important for me to know the judgments of God in a good way in a heart filled with Jesus, because all the judgments 
have been committed to the Son. Judgment has been committed to the Son. And so I want to be one of those leaders and pastors, and I want you to be the people who discern things and understand things and love people the way Jesus does, but you're able to speak to them about their soul on a level that if they're sinning, you can easily tell them, you know, that isn't pleasing to the Father. You know, when you talk in those terms, and then guess what begins to happen? You begin to decree with God. You begin to loose things from heaven. You begin to see things happen when you pray. Whatever you ask in prayer, when you begin to pray for somebody and their soul is lost and you begin to witness to them and share with them and you're praying for them and you're witnessing some more and you're loving them some more, you are working with the judgments of God and those people will learn righteousness. You are working with the judgments of God. Whatever you bind, whatever you loose, we are the body of Christ. For where two or three are gathered in my name together, I am there in the midst of them. This is powerful. Now, that's not all that that is about, but it is part of what that passage is all about. Matthew 18 reconciliation. Where's Dave at? Come on up here, Dave. Where are you, brother? Is Dave still here? And so here's the point. This is what I want you to get. That as a child of God, you carry great authority. So much so that the Lord says that you are my co-laborers. And whatever you bind on earth, it'll be bound. If you're binding demons from tormenting your loved ones or tormenting yourself or the temptations, if you're binding it, it's bound. And if you're loosing the power of the Holy Spirit, releasing it from heaven, more, God, more. I need more of you, more of you, praising him, worshiping him. I'm going to tell you there will be more. There will be overflow. And But especially when it comes to those that you love, that you're praying for, that you're believing God for. What did the Bible, what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? He has come to convict of righteousness, of sin, of righteousness, and of what? Judgment. And what did Paul talk about in the book of Acts when he was being tried. He literally was talking about temperance and the judgments of God in the earth. And King Agrippa said, almost you persuaded me to be a Christian. It's okay to talk in good terms about the judgments of God because they're, they're much different than they were back in the Old Testament. Even though God could do all of that, I'm not you know, saying that he can't and that he wouldn't. But I'm saying He's committed all judgment to the Son now. Somebody say, aren't you glad? I'm really glad about that. Come on, stand with me. So, Father, I pray that the revelation of God and the judgments of God in the earth will teach people righteousness, teach the inhabitants righteousness, God. Give our people courage, Lord, to to speak on your behalf, to 
bind and loose, to bring reconciliation, to help others see their trespasses against you, Lord, just like they did me. I thank you, Lord, for sending people into my life that said, Randy, you need to give your life to the Lord. If you don't, you'll go to hell. don't want you to go. Father, I pray that your judgments would bring light, that it would bring discernment, it would bring help, it would bring accountability, that your people, Lord, would would be so hungry to see the lost saved, people in their life, people around them, Lord, that they would just be bold in love in the things that you have decreed already, already, and that pastors all over this nation would rise up and, Lord, that they wouldn't cower back and down from the, the mob of public sentiment and opinion but that your people your pastors and leaders your fivefold leaders would get backbone Lord and a spine that says no no not now not this time I will not back down from the promises and principles and judgments of God in the earth see when we are salt and light the world will learn righteousness. When we are the church of the living God, the people will learn righteousness. Yes, there'll be haters. There's always going to be haters. Who cares about the hate? I don't. We're going to love. You overcome evil with good. You overcome evil with good. Father, release your judgments in the earth even more through your Son, through the Gospel, through the Holy Spirit, your judgments, Lord, for they are right, they are true altogether. In Jesus' name I pray, and everyone said, Amen. Does that make sense tonight? Come on, give the Lord praise. Hallelujah.